Imagine a tomorrow powered by innovation, bringing the world together through real conversations about world-changing ideas, expert discussions with no boundaries. Coming up... We're talking about smart energy, we're talking about smart mobility, smart cities, everything that exists, you put smart in front of it, and then you, you can you have a grasp of what the future might look like. And um, I'm sure that we can use the, the digital transition to move faster towards uh, the green transition. This will lead to applications that we cannot even imagine today. This is the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia. Here is Michael Hainsworth. It's been said there's no green without digital, and bridging the digital divide pairs well with our goal of reducing our carbon footprint. Nobody knows this quite like Madame Petra de Sutter, the Deputy Prime Minister of Belgium. Among her many titles, Madame de Sutter is responsible for helping shepherd the country into a new age of Industry 4.0 under 5G and artificial intelligence by closing the skills gap of citizens of all ages. I strongly believe that um, those with, with low digital skills uh, today are um, on the outside because the digitalization of our society is um, proceeding at a, a very rapid pace. And that's why closing the digital uh, divide is so important. And we really need to make sure everybody's up to speed with digital pro- progress, both in terms of access to the Internet or digital applications and also in terms of digital literacy. I see kids on the streets panhandling, asking for money, and I've had people say to me things like, you know, what does that kid need money for panhandling on the street? He's got a cell phone in his hand, but if that child didn't have one, they would be completely shut out from so many services that would help keep them from being on the street for any longer. I fully agree. Um, it's um, it's the same with refugees. Um If you see a refugee with a cell phone, people tend to say, oh, well, they don't uh, need anything else because they have a cell phone. This is the only way that that they can connect with their friends and family back home and between them uh, while on the move, I would say. So uh, being connected and and having access to Internet, you could even say it's a a, a basic right, a fundamental right these days, and everybody should have access to Internet. We also saw the digital divide revealed during the course of COVID-19. What was the impact in Belgium of the digital divide during the pandemic? It was very uh, important because we thought in the beginning COVID was, the, I would say, uh, you know, the, the big equalizer. Um, and this has not happened um, in many, many instances. But on uh, if we talk about the digital divide, we could clearly see that when we started all to telework, and the children had to follow courses online. It was, of course, the most vulnerable people that had little or no access to internet or skills that um, was uh, that, that were left behind uh, more than they already were before. So um, you can really say that a digital divide is leading to to a social divide, and COVID has exaggerated that um, uh, on the contrary of what we would have expected first. So connectivity. Internet access and skills are absolutely vital um, to fight against uh, social exclusion. So then how did you approach these problems in Belgium? I'm a part of uh, a member of the government. So when we were talking about support for the most vulnerable people as part of our support program during uh, the COVID pandemic, we have... um, dedicated uh, a certain sum, a certain fund, if you want, 
um, specifically uh, to to fight the digital gap, and that um, that was uh, well six million euros in the Belgian budget. That's not uh, not small money, um, and we have worked together with the telecom operators for that. Uh, for instance, distributing uh, free modems of or laptops to the most vulnerable uh, families. We also have. Um, tried to, to to support programs that strengthen the digital skills so not again only the physical access to internet but also learning people teaching people how to to work on the internet um, there have been many pro projects in belgium that are are working on this and operators have been working together with these programs and with government uh, funding and then maybe uh, another uh, different thing is in belgium we have uh, zones where internet access is not very good um, i guess many countries know these white zones as we call them and so we have also provided specifically funding to um, increase the internet connectivity in these wide zones, which are not good business cases for the operators, of course, as you can imagine, so that everyone also in these zones, often remote zones in uh, in areas where, uh, uh, well, not too many people are living, that these people as well could be connected. And again, during the pandemic, this was ex ex specifically important for uh, telework and tele-education. Uh, so outside of things like free modems, uh, deploying technology into white zones, how can a telecommunications company adapt to your digital inclusion policies? I think by working together uh, with organizations that are close to vulnerable groups in society that work with uh, um, in inclusion, with um, education of people that usually do not find the way to the classical education systems uh, or the, the, the workplace. Um, and we have quite some uh, organizations that do that and operators can closely work with them. And we've seen a lot of examples in, in our country. Um, other uh, examples have been that the operators themselves have started uh, projects like, um, well, in, in I, I guess I can use names and examples in this uh, in this podcast, but in, in our country, uh, Orange has uh, started a digital center, which is a dedicated training center for uh, digital uh, skills and um, we are very happy of course to see that operators uh, also um, you know commit to uh, to these subjects and fight uh, digi digital inclusion together with uh, with the government and we will continue to work together with the operators in that respect so then what would you say to those who believe that bridging the digital divide isn't profitable for a telecommunications company <laughs> well, um, I would say that this is very short-sighted. I would say from a, from a, a meta view, a global view, investing in the most vulnerable people, schooling people, upskilling people, uh, bringing them to the digital uh, world has only win-wins also for operators. Uh, you could look at it purely economically, of course. These people will become customers and they will remain um, in, in your uh, networks, of course. But secondly, you are also helping the economy of the country. Uh, we are absolutely in need of skilled people in the IT sector um, and uh, whatever we can do from the government, from the educational system, but also from operators and all kinds of organizations that really help young people uh, get into uh, the IT sector is, is a win-win for the whole of, uh, of society. 
um, I, I think it would be short-sighted to say that there's no immediate profit. I, I also believe, but that's my personal belief, that companies, also telecom operators, have some kind of societal responsibility. They can really contribute uh, because they are uh, in such an essential business like uh, internet connectivity. We started saying it's a basic right. So if you're in that business, um, I think it's it's good that operators understand that they will have to provide that right to as many people as possible. And another final example is that we're working together now on a reform of the social tariff, which means that you give access to people at a, a reduced rate for these that uh, these people that have um, uh, low income or usually can't afford a normal package. Uh, to connect on the internet. So these are all examples that um, together we can create win-win situations, even helping the most um, uh, vulnerable groups in the society. While geography and location are frequently cited as the key fault lines in the digital divide, we also learned through the course of the pandemic that women were disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. How do we close the gender gap? Yeah, that's a it's a very uh, nice question because again we are working on that from government side. Um, if you look at the pandemic and you you say well the most vulnerable people have suffered more than the others, also in terms of the digital gap, women even more. Um, we know that um, from UN studies that the gender poverty uh, gap um, uh, increases uh, in in type in in times of crisis women often had higher chances to be unemployed. And also because they had more to stay at home than before to look after after the family. Um, domestic violence has uh, has uh, been uh, more frequent um, than than before and so on. And we can give a lot, a lot of examples, of course, why um, uh, in the COVID crisis, women have been victimized more often than than men. Now, in in uh, in the digital world, this is also uh, clear. We know that women have less access to to education, to digital skills. Um, we also find mm, you know much less women in the IT sector uh, than men. In Belgium, it's uh, it's about three times uh, uh, less. So we have to encourage women. To, to get into uh, educational systems, into the STEM um, domain, which is, uh, as you know, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, make sure that they stay there, that they are really finding their way into uh, the IT sector, telecom sector, why not? And, uh, you know, can strengthen that sector because these are really domains where we, we lack skilled people. Um, in the IT sector. And so if we can push more women into that sector, it's a win-win, not only because of, uh, I would say, uh, women's emancipational um, uh, aspects, but also because the sector simply needs more people. So this is really something that we have to work towards. And we have a, a government program which called, called, is called Women in Digital, where we try to do all these things and work together um, with all the, the sectors, uh, even trade unions, of course, the educational sector and enterprises, operators and so on to work together to stimulate the entrance of more girls in the educational system towards these domains and also women into the IT sector. Older citizens as well were hit harder than younger over the course of the pandemic as we revealed that digital divide. How do we teach our grandparents to live as digital citizens? I'm having enough trouble just getting them to figure out how to use the TV remote. 
Yes, <laughs> I, I, I share your, uh, your feeling there sometimes. Well, yes, it's another group, of course, that uh, cannot be left behind. Um, if we want to, to be an inclusive society, digitally inclusive, it's not only women, it's, it's not only people that have a migratory background or from lower socioeconomic uh, backgrounds, but also at the elderly. And um, it is, again, as I said, access um, to the, the digital world, how to connect, how to work with the computer, um, but also skills, of course, once you are connected uh, to, to navigate the digital uh, world, more and more banking um, activities are, are fully online and are digital. They're closing down all the bank offices wherever um, people are living. So, you know, if you are not digitally skilled and uh, connected and skilled, you, you are at risk to be left behind and not even be, be able to do your banking business. And also attitudes, um, because we know some people just simply, you, you cannot motivate them because they, they, they are a bit um, scared or, or um, they don't trust uh, digital systems. And, well, sometimes they're right because there's a lot of... Uh, as you know, smishing and phishing and, and a lot of uh, fraud online. But anyhow, um, I would say data uh, from, from a lot of studies show that, that we have to work to do on all these levels and also uh, specifically for, uh, for elderly people. And there are programs, again, that um, are run by different organizations to, to teach uh, digital skills to, um, to elderly people. And I think they're very much needed and we should support them from government side again. Is that the, the simple solution, just NGOs that are focused on this kind of uh, gap filling? Well, yes, but there's also government-run programs, of course, um, all kinds of educational programs for the public. I mean, not, not only uh, in, for children and young people, where we should uh, really invest in, uh, in these programs that, uh, that uh, teach digital skills to people and also to elderly. So I think it's a, absolutely a duty for the private sector as well as the public sector. Um, so NGOs can help, of course, but uh, as again, as governments, we also have uh, responsibilities there. Belgium very much focused on the issues tied to a sustainable future, and it's been said there's no green without digital. How does a more sustainable future require digitalization? Well, we're talking about um, the twin transition, actually, the green transition and the digital transition. And you will uh, remember, and it is no coincidence, that this was uh, the program of the European Commission when they started uh, last term. Ursula von der Leyen was very firm on that. So as a green politician myself, I'm very happy uh, to see that uh, we are all understanding that we really have to go to climate uh, neutrality in 2050 and that is the whole uh, subject of, of the Green Deal, of course. On the other hand, the digital evolution is, uh, is as crucial uh, and as important. We need more connectivity networks. Uh, it is transforming our economy um, and it will bring us to a more sustainable path and they can go together. Sometimes people are afraid that uh, digitalization because of the energy consumption might not uh, lead us uh, in the right direction. But I think that we have to work on, on energy consumption of data centers, of modems, you know, modems, they really consume a lot of energy. We have to work on that. Um, and we, we can probably also expect if we move to the next level of connectivity, and here I'm talking about new technologies like uh, fiber optics, uh, fiber optic networks, but also 5G, of course, which is 
uh, running a bit late in our country here, but we're catching up um, very soon. This year, we expect that 5G will will come and will be um, uh, rolled out, I would say, by our operators. Um, this will lead to applications that we cannot even imagine today, but that will lead to more um, efficient energy consumption. So we're talking about smart energy, we're talking about smart mobility, smart cities, everything that exists, you put smart in front of it, and then you, you, can, you have a grasp of what the future might look like. And um, I'm sure that we can use the, the digital transition to move faster towards uh, the green transition that, that we also need. Uh, another aspect uh, besides energy consumption and more efficient procedures that are indeed reducing the energy need is also the whole concept of uh, circular economy, which is uh, going to to be to go hand in hand, I would say, with uh, with uh, the whole the whole climate and energy policies that we put in place um, by recycling um, all kinds of apparatus and and reusing, refurbishing, and so on. Um, we will also, uh, you know, um, I would say, uh, make steps towards uh, towards the the green transition that we need and um, and uh, climate neutrality. And this is absolutely something that the, the telecommunications sector and the digital infrastructures of the future will have to take into account. And we're working on that because I'm responsible for telecommunications, as you know. So we are now um, having projects to to look into. Uh, uh, the sector itself, what are they doing contributing to circular economy and less energy consumption? Should we have frameworks, I mean, legal frameworks to encourage them? Um, I mean, uh, we are looking into that uh, and this, this is on our table for the next months to come. And I think it's a, it's a challenge for the sector itself as well. Well, tell me more about that, because as you point out, 5G is bringing us Industry 4.0 and a whole new opportunity for growth while meeting those sustainable development goals. Where is Belgium seeing opportunities for industry and consumers to prevent a new digital divide? Yeah, um, well, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question, because since we are accelerating in that respect, it will always be uh, a point of attention if we accelerate into applications uh, using AI algorithms, uh, moving towards the Internet of Things, and so many other applications that we, again, can only dream of, uh, maybe self-driving cars. So many new technologies are coming that we will have to accompany accompany people, skill, upskill people to, to make sure that they can use these technologies. Because you will indeed at every technological advancement that, that you make, it, it, be it in this domain or in others, uh, have people that risk uh, to be left behind. And we have already discussed about the groups uh, that, that are most fragile or most uh, at risk for that. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm also responsible for posts. Uh, and we have a company in Belgium, B Post, which has um, uh, the major uh, part of, of the, uh, the postal activities in our country. And they want to close post offices. And we, from the government side, we say, no, no, we want you to keep them open because you need to be close to people and we want to keep that access. But of course, we have to think about new things to do for these post offices where less and less people are coming to to you know, send letters and, and uh, do the basic postal uh, stuff. So we are installing uh, hubs for digital services. That means that, let's say, in a small small village, 
um, senior uh, citizens that uh, are not digitally skilled, uh, but well, all the access is digital now, all, all the, 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 the banking or other um, uh, things that they need to do is, is digitalized. They can go to the post office and the person there will help them to fill out forms online or to print a form and sign it and so on. So when, when you have digitalization uh, reaching the next level, um, as a government, because I'm also responsible for public administration, you have to take into account that you always need an alternative for these people that those people that are uh, at risk of, of being left uh, behind. So in the future, with the advancement of uh, 5G and uh, the IoT AI algorithms all over, we will always have to make sure that uh, we we have an alternative in place or we give support and training to people that are at, uh, at risk for being left uh, behind. Are you confident we can close the digital divide? We have to. It's, it's, uh, it's an ambition that we, uh, we really have. Um, but since it's moving so fast, uh, there will always be people left behind that we will have to help. So I'm sure it's not, never going to be 0%. Um, the people that are not following because uh, it's, it's going so fast. I, just giving you a simple example. Uh, at my age, I, um, I'm now very well accustomed to work on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, already Instagram was something new, but I like it and I use it. But I'm an absolute uh, ignorant when, you, when it comes to TikTok. <laughs> Sometimes I don't even understand I don't even understand what what I'm watching. If I watch uh, what and my my collaborators want me to do all kinds of r strange things to to be on TikTok. Be, after TikTok, something else will come where I will really be left behind. So this is of course uh, in social media, but there will be so many new advances in uh, in um, in connectivity and digital technology that there will always be people that we will have to help to 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 get there. Are, are you now on TikTok? Am I going to be tuning into seeing you and members of the Belgian Green Party doing synchronized dancing? <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about other other members of the Green Party, but uh, some famous politicians are on TikTok. I don't know if you know Elio Di Rupo, who was the prime minister a couple of years ago. He's very, very popular on TikTok. So, uh, yes, this is the channel to reach out to people. And as politicians, we need to use all these new communications uh, uh, channels and uh, be, be active there. But uh, if I'm struggling with TikTok, my collaborators who are 25, they, they look at me as from as I am from uh, another planet. <laughs> the Real Conversations podcast by Nokia, building a future that's sustainable, productive and inclusive together. Discover how by visiting nokia.com slash no boundaries.